0: Hey, you guys. Tickets have officially gone on sale for my next virtual conference. In May, we did Rise Live Courage, and now we're doing Rise Live Healthy and Happy. We're spending an entire day nine plus hours of programming with some of the greatest speakers in the world all talking about how to live your life in such a way that you have the energy to have the life of your dreams. What does it look like to learn to eat intuitively? What does it look like to move your body in celebration? What does it look like to approach health from a place of love and celebration instead of shame? We believe that healthy and happy is about how you feel, not about how you look. So I am joined by incredible people like Jay Shetty and Stacey Flowers, Kelly Levesque, Dave Hollis, Trent Shelton, motivating the crap out of you, me talking about inspiration. And if you've ever been to a RISE conference before, you better believe you're also going to hear from Beans and Chris is going to be a day of fun and energy and so empowering. If you feel like you have fallen off your plan inside of quarantine, if you feel like you need a kick in the pants to get you motivated again, this is the day for you. And tickets start at $40. You can go to theholliscode.com right there at the top of the page. You'll see a big banner. Click on it. Let's hang out. Let's get fired up together. In today's interview, I thought we would switch it up a little bit. I got so excited listening to everyone tell me their stories on season one, I thought that I would tell you my own. So I invited my very best friend, Amanda Pittman, who is also one of the most inquisitive people I've ever met, to turn the tables. We're basically, this is supposed to be a podcast interview whereby um, the idea for the, uh, I say this every single episode, but the idea for the podcast was, um, I wanted to interview women who are crushing it in business and talk to them about what they are doing in business, not talk to them about work-life balance. Because right. I feel like everything that exists in the business space in podcasting, they interview women and then they ask them sort of quote-unquote women questions instead of just yep. asking like business questions. So yep. – um I assume that you have questions for me and I'm sure that we will go off on all kinds of tangents. I told Allison on purpose, producer Allison. I said, don't give me the questions in advance. Let's make this real. Um, So yeah. So fire away. So fire away. I think the first question I had
1: was um, what podcast have you been listening to that you thought, Hey, I want to do that. I have questions that I want to get asked or this, this inspires me. I make sure I listen to it you know, every day or every time they release one. Yes. Um, what, po- because I know your time is very valuable and you yes. have limited time yes. where you are by yourself, yep. uninterrupted where you could listen to something. Yes. And um, so yeah. that's what my first question was like, what have you been listening to? That you thought, I got to do this. I well, to jump Well,
0: I love business podcasts. It's my kay. favorite thing. Just one of my favorite things on the planet. Um, I heard someone say last year, um, Net time, which was the idea of no extra time. You don't have people like, I don't have an hour to listen to a podcast. Well, if you're only listening to a podcast, then of course you don't have time for that. But I yeah. listen to podcasts when I'm driving, when I'm walking, when I'm jogging, when I'm doing the dishes. So um, there's no extra time. You combine two things together. So that would be my first thought. Um, okay. but yeah, I love a business podcast. So um, I listen to, in no particular order, uh, Tony Robbins. Uh, Tim Ferriss. Um, And he sort of interviews everybody and kind of gets their wisdom on how how they do what they do. Um, I'm a huge fan of Gary Uh, Vee. His his energy level is intense. And if you are not um, in business and sort of aggressive and ambitious, then he's probably not the podcaster for you. I like Entree Leadership, which is uh, Dave Ramsey's company's podcast. Yep. Though, um, they are probably the number one reason that I wanted to start my own because as much as they have incredible wisdom, I dig their host. I am going to the Entree Leadership Conference um, in May. Uh, They are, I think, not on purpose, but one of the most unintentionally sexist podcasts I've ever listened to in my whole life. They interview approximately one woman a season, and it's always like a psychologist, A therapist who's going to talk about the psychology of business. Like, you're telling me you don't know one female CEO? Are you kidding? Oh, it makes me so angry. I I once actually sent a sort of angry letter to their host, and he did not respond to me. Because because too many times he would ask, he'd be interviewing someone, and he'd ask, okay, Let's say that you're gonna go sit down, let's talk to those people who are gonna go sit down with the job interview and they're sitting down with a hiring manager and he's gonna ask them this, that, and the other thing. Or let's say you're gonna go talk to the boss and he says it's always a male protagonist in their stories. It does not even occur to them that a woman could be a manager or a boss or an entrepreneur. And I think their heart they got good hearts. I think they're good men. I just you know, they're out they're out there in Nashville. And I don't yeah. think that it's something that occurs to them. So after hearing it approximately 100 times, I was like, someone needs yeah. to create this. There are lots of women who've started business podcasts, but then I think they downplay it. They call it like yeah. Pink Professionals or yeah. the Business Boutique. And I'm like, why do we have to make this cutesy? I know so many women in every, in every category from CEOs to teachers who are doing incredible work and – they're not, there's not like an acknowledgement of them just as professionals. So here we are. I was just going to add one more, which is so good. And uh, you will love this if you haven't heard it. Um, NPR has a podcast called how I built this, where he just interviews people, you know, Richard Branson, Kate Spade, people who've built big organizations. Oh my gosh. It's so good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So one thing that we talked about a long time ago was like the people, the questions people ask Men executives mm-hmm. are always different than what they ask female Ooh, executives, preach. and since you since you like brought that up into my mind, it's really alarming how many times that happens yeah. and, and where you hear that. Yeah, and like you were saying with Dave Ramsey, like you could you can ask me a question as a business professional, as a, and I'm a female, but mm-hmm. I but I also have the unique challenge of I there are questions that might just be for me as a woman like how Mm -hmm. am I going to tell my boss that I'm pregnant sure or if I'm in a meeting and I got so frustrated with whatever was going on that I that I cried yes because that's I'm a female that's how I'm wired and that that's how I show frustration as opposed to yelling at you cussing at you hitting you maybe I just cried (laughs) yeah how do I go back then the next day and say like hey we're totally fine do I acknowledge it do I not acknowledge it yeah so there's There are questions you can ask women executives that are just uniquely for women. But, but that it, are not about how
0: do you balance being yes. a kids well honestly yes and the thing is there are those questions but they shouldn't be your only questions that's the difference is yeah. Yeah. that a, typically an interview with a female professional all of the questions are based on the fact that she's a female professional an yeah. interview with a male professional is just based on the fact that he's a professional come on yeah we can do better and like
1: you said before like you said before nobody asks Dave if he's going back tomorrow never you know, nobody asks
0: Dave if yeah, he like, feels like he's he's never. Best i mean yeah what's never one time has he been asked about work-life balance not once and dave is dave has a massive job so much demand so many hours so and he is as involved as much of a parent as i am there is no difference in our parent there isn't i maybe focus a little bit more on making sure people remember to eat Right, uh, yeah. Right. Dave will be like, oh, it's been seven hours. Like, did he feed the kids? He's like, oh, they ate all those goldfish, goldfish crackers. But yeah. other than that, there's no difference in us as parents. He will get off early to take them to karate. He will, all the things. Yeah. So if we're yeah. both equal in that respect, then right. so let's start asking men how they balance being a dad and a professional at the same time. Well, and so and that's what I mean when
1: we were talking about that. Like, since you said that, it's been really disturbing. The mm-hmm. amount of times I've like, Oh, I don't feel like you would have worded it that way. If you were talking to mm-hmm. whatever gender, like if they're talking to a woman, I feel like, Oh, you wouldn't have worded it that way. If you asked a man. That. Yep. And if they're talking to a man, like you wouldn't, have, you never ask that same question to your female counterparts. Okay. If I'm going to list out Tony Robbins, Tim Ferriss, Gary B, entree leadership, um, NPR, what is the, what's like, if I have no, if I'm already addicted to some podcasts mm-hmm. or if I have a limited amount of time, Besides
0: yours, what other one should I listen to? Oh, wow. That's so hard. Well, I would say that each of the podcasts I listed really speak to different areas. So one will be on like one really focuses on marketing and one really focuses on um, your growth as a person. Uh, I would say NPR. I would say how I built this because I feel like even if you – don't even if you don't own a business their storytelling is so great that you will find it super yeah. intriguing it'll make you want to learn more i also think it's really inspiring what i find so powerful about every single interview is that the people they're never never one time have they interviewed someone richard branson kate spade um who mark cuban never one time are the people like well i was obsessed with purses And so I decided to make a purse company or it's never like, oh, well, I really wanted like I loved records. So I decided to make Virgin Records. It's that they wanted to be in business and they found a space in the market that had not been filled and they built a company around that. I find that so inspiring that you're an entrepreneur because you love the idea of building a business, not because you're obsessed with the idea of... Um, something in particular. I just, I find that so inspiring. Yeah. Well, uh, there was a really good Tim Ferriss one where he was interviewing Brene Brown
1: about Mm. all kinds of things. Yeah. But that's when he made that connection of like entrepreneurs are like, um, the servant minded, like they want to serve an underserved population. And any kind of capacity. Yes. And they can go and they can go, Hey, you know what's not happening here. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to serve that. I'm going to find that and I'm going to fill that niche. And then if it happens to be a it happened to be persons. Yeah,
0: but the, uh, um, that was a really good one. There, speaking of Tim Ferriss, his last book came out a couple months ago called "Tools of Titans." It's probably a thousand pages. It's crazy long, but it's basically two or three pages of an inter- of interviews with people who are killing it in their fields, from doctors yeah. to teachers to um, Olympic gold medalists, whatever. And not all of the not all the questions he asks are the same. It'll just be like he did an interview and these are the juiciest tidbits that he got from the interview. It's so interesting because you can pick it up at night before you go to bed and read three different people and then put it down and come back to it later. Um, I don't always like Tim because I think he's a little – I don't know. I just like find him interesting to – take on I don't know he's Mm -hmm. a really interesting character people who listen to him maybe understand what I'm talking about um but I I have really loved that book
1: so uh, from you okay so yours is you really wanted it to focus on business Mm -hmm. not not like women's issues necessarily not like how do you be a better mom not all of the other also important topics yeah like if you're if you're a female or if you're a male and you're running a business yeah here's what I've learned yes here's what I've here's some things I'd like to share from my yes, journey.
0: so we had um, we had all of these different interviews, and the podcast is called Deus, which is a platform. And so yeah. basically every single person spoke on what they've been able to do with their particular platform. So from um, my literary agent to a casting director for Food Network to Joy Cho, who has a line at Target, to um, the head of marketing for Kate Spade all of them have a different niche that they really live in. So mm-hmm. if you were interested in that part of the market or um, either to own your company, to run a company, or maybe just to have as a career, what are tangible pieces of advice within that world that mm-hmm. you could tell us about? And what are, in like, you, and
1: universal? Yeah, you yeah. might be the director of marketing, but there's something universal you've learned. Totally. So what are some things that you hope people would get from your podcast? What are some things you hope people would walk away with and be like, this is what I picked up today when I listened?
0: Well, ultimately, I think you become who you surround yourself with. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you, depending on where you live in the world, and you don't have access to exemplars in your field, you don't have access to these really inspiring women, you may not know that that's a possibility for you. Yeah. Um, so, I really wanted to give space to these professional women who are crushing it to to inspire you, and that you would know that there are people out there, even if you don't work with them, who are confident in what they are doing who have who believe in hard work who have learned to network who have learned to build a career or a business and you can do that too because if you can't see it, how do you know that you can achieve it. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, so I think that was my biggest thing was I just wanted exposure to a broader audience that, that so many women and I hope men, um, haven't seen before. Yeah. Okay. So
1: what is the number one piece of advice that you would give someone who is trying to start their own business or who wants to start their own business or who's in the very beginning of it? And it's like, I don't know if I can do this. What would be the, yeah? and I know that's like, oh, I have some, you know, everyone, and I know you have several, but like, what's one that just like rolls off the tongue? It's like, hey, this is above all, do this.
0: I think what pops into my head is, you know, I've said it a million times and I even find myself still today, however many years, over a decade in business, and I still find myself making this mistake, is follow the signs of life. What are people actually responding to? What do people actually care about? Um, Over and over again, you'll listen to different business CEOs or entrepreneurs talk about the fact that, like, we built this company that made circles, but people kept asking us for squares. And when we started making squares, all of a sudden business exploded. Um, Mm. We get really set in our head about what maybe what worked two years ago or what we think our business is going to be. And we don't pay any attention to what people are actually asking for. Yeah. Or responding. Yes. A business needs customers. A business needs money. So pay attention to what actually works And do that thing and do it well. I mean, I could, we could do five hours of me just saying like, this is the stuff I screwed up on and I wish that I could do better. But um, a great example of this that even manifests itself today in what we do here at Chic Media is what worked on social media two years ago, a year ago, six months ago, does not work now. So two years ago, if I had put up a recipe on our Facebook page 5,000 people an hour would follow that link and go read the recipe on the site. And the reality is not only do people not want a recipe because they have seen – it's so saturated. They know they can go over to Pinterest and get it. But they don't even really want to see food on our Facebook page anymore. And so for so long – we keep trying to make that thing that used to work. We keep trying to make it work and it doesn't. Meanwhile, there's 10 things over here that we know hands down every time this is going to knock it out of the park. It's idiotic to keep trying to fit the the square peg into the round hole. You have yeah. to listen to your audience. It's the only way you're going to see growth.
1: So say that part again. It's follow the life. Follow, follow the,
0: life the signs of life. Follow the signs of life. Yeah, where where is life showing up? Um, I I heard it actually years ago. I saw the CEO of Minted speak, and she talked about Minted originally was um, a space – I forgot. I feel like they sold, like, stationery online, and – It wasn't working, wasn't working. Year over year, it was like kind of doing okay, but not really. The only thing that was working was that once a month, they did um, a competition with local artists that they could submit a piece of art to be on the cover of the stationery. And that thing did really well. So after all of the other things failing in this one area working, they were like, dang it, why don't we just make this company a space where we will tap – talented artists, graphic designers, photographers, and we'll use their content on the stuff mm-hmm. we're creating. And that's what made minted what it is. They mm-hmm. had to follow the signs of life. That's awesome. And that in my brain,
1: what I jumped to is like, whenever you're introducing an entrepreneur that's been successful, whenever I'm introducing you, I'm thinking, it's like, well, what does she do? And it's like, well, she started this, 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 went to this, stuff. like, it, it's all kinds of things because successful entrepreneurs have followed. Yep. Like the next right thing yep. or the next, they didn't maybe at the beginning know they were following the signs yep. of life or what the next thing was, but they, they instinctually knew. Yep. And so it's kind of funny, as you explain that, I'm thinking of entrepreneurs that we've introduced or that we've had come speak on campus and it's like, yeah, they started doing something completely different
0: mm-hmm.
1: than what they're doing now, yep. but it all led down yep the path where
0: they are now. Well, and I have, you know, Dave Dave works for Disney. And so I have a lot of insight into Pixar. I've never, how, I'm sorry, I've never, I've never <laughs> heard is of that? that company. Who is that man? How do you what say is it? that company? Disney. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What do they do? There's a silent H. Um, they, <laughs> um, so, so I have some insight just from his stories into Pixar. And if you all knew what Pixar movies start as and
1: mm-hmm. what they
0: finish as, it would blow your mind. What they are in the original pitch meeting and the second meeting and the third meeting and the fourth. And I right now I'm thinking of a great story about Up and what Up was when the movie started versus what it came out as. I don't know that I'm allowed to tell. I don't know if I'm allowed to tell the story. So I won't. Uh But it was it was an entirely different movie. It had nothing to do with an old man, had nothing to do with little boy, had nothing to do with balloons nothing. It was an entirely different movie. And every time they would have a meeting, they would iterate and iterate and iterate and go, this is working, this is not. This is working, this is not. To get to the place that they had this incredible movie, it happens every single time. Hey y'all, if you are looking for something to complement the foods that you are already eating to bless your body, I want to make sure you know about Sakara's Clean Boutique. It's the perfect complement for your eating journey with organic, whole food-based healthy snacks, supplements, and heartwarming teas that round out your rituals beautifully. Complete your Saqqara life and ensure you're getting all the essential plant nutrition you need every day with the foundation, the brand's curated vitamin packs. And if you want to check it out, right now Saqqara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakaracom slash rise or enter code rise at checkout. That's Saqqara, S-A-K-A-R-A. S-A-K-A-R-A Dot com slash rise to get 20% off your first order. sakaracom slash rise. That's
1: crazy because the other thing that tells me is also you have to be adaptable yes. and like let your dream grow yeah. and let it change. And it might look like something completely different on the other side. Totally. But
0: you have to be okay with that. One of my favorite things that Gary V says quite a bit is – That as an entrepreneur, you have to stop being so romantic about what it is Mm. that you're doing. That you get really set in your ways about, well, we're a company. I am a company. I have a website that was founded, truly founded on food and recipes. And in Mm -hmm. 2017, that's just not what people respond to as much anymore. Now I can be really romantic about the fact that that's how we started. I can keep trying to push that down your throat or I can Mm. go, gosh, what they're really responding to is me talking about my own life and motivation. And what does it look like to be a working mom of four kids? And how do I, that's what they're responding to. So I can Mm -hmm. keep trying to push food because that's what we did. Or I can pivot because they're pivoting and Mm -hmm. growing and changing. I need to follow the signs. Of life and stop being so romantic. So, I, we all know as a host of, uh, or I mean,
1: as the website, as the social media, throughout all the things that you touch, that you're a voracious reader. Mm-hmm. And that I've known that about you since the whole time I've known you, yeah. that you love to read. Yes. I don't love to write. I don't, it's not that I don't love to read. I can read. Yes. I just don't. That if <laughs> I I'm do gonna, know <laughs>
0: the letters.
1: I am reading questions right now. Um, as I, I mean, I could, I could, but that isn't always the first thing I would turn to mm-hmm. if I were to have the time. You will pick up a book anytime, all the time. Yep. You want to get lost in it, love yep. it, be alone, hide in your bathroom, yes. all that. Yep. So and I know you've read *A Cabillion*. Mm-hmm. But what is, what is one
0: book? Maybe two. Let's do two okay. that have helped you the most as you have formed and built your company. Yes. Ooh. Gosh, narrowing it down is so hard for me. Well, the you're first not going to hurt anyone's Yes, feelings. the first one that pops into my head, and I'm sure I've talked about it this season, um, is Big Magic by Liz Gilbert. Yeah. Um, yeah, just an incredible book on what it means to be a creative and the idea that we are all creative in some. No matter what it is that you do, we all have a creative bone in our body, and that there is power in. Um, being able to express that, like somewhere along the way, the book talks a lot about when you're a little, maybe you like to dance or ice skate or you did gymnastics or you like to sing or you played clarinet and somewhere along the way it it was expressed to you that you were not the best in this. You're not going to make a career out of playing clarinet or piano or jazz dance. So why do you do that thing? I mean, that's kind of how we are as humans. We think if we can't turn this into the next biggest thing, why on earth would I keep Playing piano. Right. When the reality certainly is, certainly not
1: because I enjoyed. It.
0: Yeah, it made you happy. You yeah. enjoyed it. You liked to do. Who cares if you sucked? Who cares if yeah. you're awkward or whatever? That we kind of like strip ourselves of being creative because we think it doesn't matter in the grand scheme of life, and that it actually does matter quite a bit. Um, yeah, I think that okay. book was really powerful because I have an interesting. I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I have. I am a CEO and I run a company. But I am also a creative, and how do you balance yeah. those two things? So I dug that book for that reason, that it kind of spoke to – Do you to. keep that, like,
1: next to you? And, like, have you, like, dog-eared pages that you – when you need to be reminded or encouraged that you will pick it back up and, like, go back to it?
0: I will do rereads. So okay. when enough time goes by that I will um, – that I've sort of forgotten or, gosh, I need to be inspired again, I'll do a reread. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and that is something that you'll hear a lot of people – um, Tony Robbins is really big on this is like the training never stops and yeah, and yeah. listening to some listening to a podcast one time or reading something one time, it's not really going to stick. You have to kind of keep revisiting that stuff. Now, if you lived in a world where you had a business mentor who was so awesome, you got to meet with them once a week and, and she inspired you in all of these ways, well, maybe you wouldn't need to keep listening to a podcast because you have access to it in real life, but most of us don't. So yeah. those books and those Podcasts are the things that I reach for again and again. Um, okay, so big magic. What's big the, magic. what would be the
1: second one? What makes the second top two? Oh
0: gosh, I, I, I want to say something different because I've talked about it so much. Um, And I feel like they should give me a dollar for every sale of a book (laughs) called Shoe Dog, which is the story. Is that about Phil Knight? It sure is. Actually, you would probably love it. I know. I know. But as much as you love sports and how they develop their partnerships and all of those things, I I feel like you would really dig it. It is beautifully written because you find out at the end of the book that he wrote it. He went back to school as like a 75-year-old man and took – English classes and creative writing classes in order to write this book. It is beautiful. It is my favorite book of all time. It beats out every vampire romance I've ever read, which is saying a lot. I know. I know. Um, It is a love letter to his company. And I feel like it's something that only other entrepreneurs can really understand how beautiful this story is. Um, But what I find so inspiring is that they barely survived for 15 years i mean nike was making 14 million dollars a year and still everybody who worked there made like five dollars like they barely could afford to survive and he didn't really have money until they went public and i just i find that so inspiring that he would keep he would keep it so scrappy and so small because he had the vision of what it could be um For me personally, that is so inspiring. I've talked about this a little bit, um, but I haven't taken a salary in four years. Every single dollar that I make every book sale, every ticket to an event, every single dollar that I make, I invest back in this company. So for four years, I mean, imagine like, I'm so blessed that we don't need my salary. We can live off of Dave's. Um, but imagine like, you know, Amanda, you know how hard I work, how many hours I work, how much I'm to not see one penny of that for yourself, because I believe so strongly in where we are going and what we are doing. And if yeah. I don't take a salary, that's another person that I can hire at my company to help build this dream. So Shoe Dog for me was so inspiring. And and listening to something like How I Built This is so inspiring because I hear that I am not alone in this belief that you'll keep being scrappy and you'll keep being the underdog because that is going to lead to something greater in the long term. Got to stay hungry. Yep. On that note,
1: also, I know, you know, you're a voracious reader, and you're also always, you know that you don't know everything, and you know that you can always learn something more, and you can, you know, you, you're you not above asking questions and going, hey, wait, what? Mm-hmm. So to that end, do you attend conferences? Do you do continuing education? Yes. Do you take classes? Do you, you know, actively seek out? We know you went to the Tony Robbins or oh, some, if you yes. follow, if you follow Rachel and, Social, you know, they. She took her whole team yep. to a Tony Robbins thing. Yep. So besides stuff like that, yes. Do you go? What what conferences do you go to? What I, classes do you? Girl, take?
0: I would go once a month if I had the budget and the time. Going to a conference, I I adore it. Um, A business conference, conference specifically, Um, because even the ones that I've been to where I'm like, what's happening? There's always a nugget of wisdom. There's always um, a chance to meet other people who are doing what you're doing to feel inspired. Um, I went to. Yeah, we went to Tony in November. Um, One of the most profound, life changing things I've ever done. I do not say that lightly. So incredible. Um, Like you cried. Oh, cried. We laughed. It was life-changing. I am actually, for Christmas, I got tickets for Dave to go. Um, So he and I are going in July, same exact conference, in July, in New York. I'm taking him because it was so important and powerful. I really want him to be able to experience it. And the honest to God truth was he could have gone, but he was like, I don't get what this is. Like, I don't know who this guy, I don't, I'm not, no. But he, we came back and not just me, but the whole team, he saw how changed everyone was from the experience. And he was like, holy crap, I got to do this. Um, yeah. So we're going to Tony again in July. I'm going, I'm actually really excited. I'm going to the Entree Leadership Conference in May I think it's in Orlando, which <laughs> which Whoa. is not my dream to go to Orlando, basically, um, for any reason. Uh, right. But I, it's Simon Sinek, who I love, um, Dave Ramsey, who I love. Like, just a lot of speakers that I'm really excited to hear some wisdom. Again, yeah. I look at the lineup, and there's 10 speakers. And one is a woman, and one is a person of color. I'm not even kidding you. It's eight white yep. guys. And I'm yep. like, come on. Yep. they You, if you seek out diversity, this is terrible, but you don't have to look that hard. Yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm super excited. Um, I need to be better about going to conferences that are specifically in my, uh, market. Like I need to go to social media stuff and new media stuff. And, but it's honestly, I just feel like I, like people all the time will say to me, they'll be like, Oh, you know, we're working with Joe Smith. And they say it like they just said they're working with Justin Timberlake, but I have zero idea who they're talking about. I don't tend to Uh, pay a lot of attention to other people in my field because I'm just like my head's down. I'm doing my thing. I'm not. But I feel like I should know other people who are doing what I'm doing because the few chances I've had to interact, someone will say like, oh, did you know that you could link out? If you swipe up on an Instagram story, something simple like that—that that maybe I didn't know—is um, yeah. really valuable. So, but I, I also feel like maybe your time is valuable, enough and you've got people that you can send to do that. Sure, no? yeah, yeah, yeah. You're so right. I just love, I love learning anything new. You do. It's it's you do. It's knowledge is so powerful, and I just. Yeah, I would honestly, I'd do it all day. I'm right now, I'm doing, um, I'm taking HBX, which is Harvard Business School's online class. I'm. Oh, snap. You and Tyra Banks. I mean, no, really? I think that's but, how she says she went to Harvard. Oh, that's hilarious. I think, I thought she did. I'm taking uh, finance for business because it's the area that I feel like I am weakest in. Um, So, yeah, I love love to learn. And I can only be a better uh, CEO and I can only grow this company if I'm willing to commit the time to continue to grow um, myself. So, yeah, it's a big deal to me.
1: What habits or behaviors did you adopt early on in your career that still shape what you do today? And I ask that question because I've heard you speak early on that when you were back in the wedding planning business mm-hmm. that don't ever let anyone see you run. Yes. And I remember thinking like, I remember laughing and be like, why are you running? Yeah. Like what, what's wrong with that? And you run weird. Mm-hmm. And it, the story was if they see you running, mm-hmm. that means something's wrong. Yep. They'll panic. And so don't panic and don't run. Just walk over to whatever's the problem. Yep. And they won't know that anything's happened. Yes. And it is really crazy. I was in a conversation with a, another good friend. husband is a firefighter firefighters don't run Mm -hmm. to the emergency Mm -hmm. because that makes you think that it's bad. Yep. Something's wrong. They walk to the fire. They walk to the car accident and we were giving them our time. We were like, you better run if it's my house on fire. (laughs) Yes. All that to say is that has echoed in my brain at random times. Yeah. Like if they don't know that something's wrong. Yep. I mean, they don't, they don't know. Yeah. So what other habits or behaviors Maybe besides that one. Yeah. Have you adopted that you still do today that you're like, dude, I did this
0: at Miramax Days. I did this at,
1: you know, back in the yeah. twenty whatever, Deek, whatever that was. Yep. I can't remember. Yep. Are they yep. even Deek. still around? Yeah.
0: I don't think so. But good on you for remembering okay. that production company from back in the day. Um, I you're think, welcome. Yeah, I think probably the biggest one that, that comes to mind, and I know you're going to get this. Um, I work as hard today, if not harder, than I did when I was 22. Um, Uh, we, both Amanda and I, we met because we both worked at Miramax, uh, back. And for those of you who don't know, back in the day when we worked there, Miramax Films was the production company to work at in, in Hollywood. There wasn't any, this was Goodwill Hunting, Chasing Amy, um, what else? Jay and Silent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Talk a lot. Eh, yes. Every. Sider it, House it was the biggest place. Chicago. Like, so many yep. incredible movies. We were there during this sort of prime time of filmmaking. And because it was such a hot space to work in, you would do anything for any amount of time without yep. getting paid a lot of money. Because if you do not want this job, there's a line of 100 people outside who would yep. kill to be an assistant here. So you're going to work for. Yep. an hour, we're not going to pay you overtime. You're going to work, you know, 70 hours a week, and you're going to like it. Um, And we, because of that mentality, and because it was such an all-hands-on-deck, Amanda and I really early on, got to, even though we weren't in those departments, got to work the Oscars and movie premieres and press junkets and things that were so exciting when you were, you know, 12 years old doing this job. Um, But you would stand on your feet for 15 hours and you would, you know, pick up trash off a floor and you you just, you worked so hard because that was what was expected of you. And I think it is, I don't want to say like kids today or millennials because- It is not a generational thing. It is a personality thing. Um, Individuals either get it or don't. You have to work hard. I don't know anybody who has achieved anything awesome who didn't hustle for it. Um, And the hustle never stops. I am still hustling today. Um, And any success that I have, people look at what I've built or this company or anything. I didn't didn't graduate college. I went to one Mm -hmm. year of acting school. I Mm -hmm. dropped out of acting school. That is my education as an adult. I didn't know business. Everything Mm -hmm. I've done, I have figured out as I've gone along and I've worked my butt off. I'm reading actually a book right now called Grit, which is so great. Um, But the passage I was reading last night was talking about the idea that people look at someone who is, very successful in business, in sports. We look at an Olympic gold medalist. And we like to tell ourselves that there is something there. it's in their genetic code. There's something extra special about this person that makes them successful. Because if there's something extra special about that person, it takes pressure off of me to achieve anything more than I am right now.
1: And it makes sense. We're
0: like, oh, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. he was wired that way. Yeah, he's wired because if if you're honest with yourself and you tell yourself, yes, Michael Phelps maybe has a body that physically makes him uh, capable of being an Olympic gold medalist swimmer, but he also trained his tail off every Mm -hmm. single day. For years and years and years. And if you acknowledge the fact that in order to be great, successful, better, bigger, bolder, whatever, you're going to have to work at it, well, then that challenges you where you are today. And people don't want to be challenged. So they'd rather just believe that it's magic.
1: Yeah. Um, And you are you, that happened to you. Something happened to you that allowed this to happen. Yes. Like you didn't go make it happen. Yes, of course. I mean, I would love for a habit or a behavior to be work ethic. Yes. But I think you're born with that. Yeah. I do think you were born with a freakish work ethic. Sure, that's real. And a
0: freakish hustle. That's real. That's real.
1: What is there a habit? Is there something you do every day? Is there a behavior that you saw in some executive Mm. in somebody that wasn't an executive but you were that you knew were they were busting it still that you're like, I'm going to do that every day. Is it, I'm going to take five minutes and meditate? Is it, I'm going to, I'm going to be a voracious reader because I'm going to know that I don't know everything I'm going to keep. Sure. What, is there a habit that I could think about trying to start if I wanted to be an entrepreneur? This sounds
0: so simple, but if I'm going to tell you the one thing that I truly do every day, it's a to-do list. Every single morning when I get up, Or when I sit down at my desk at the office, the first thing I do is write out a to-do list for the day, and that is the Bible, and that is gold, and things don't matter except getting that crossed off. Because I think that people are a lot of times incredible about coming up with ideas, but not very good at actually producing the things that they've set out to do or achieving the things people are like, I want to know, how do I be more productive? You make yourself do the stuff even when you don't want to do it this is what's going to get me to the next step. I know that if I want, you know, Walmart as a client, then I've got to keep reaching out to the contact that I have at Walmart until I finally get a call back. And so I'm going to keep putting that on my to-do list, even though it sucks to be the person who is annoying the chick at Walmart. That's just a reality. So it sounds so simple and so obvious, but a to-do list. And I carry that even into my personal life. So even on I don't do one on Sunday unless I'm meal prepping and then I've got my meal prep to-do list. But on Saturday morning, same thing. I, and I will put everything on there from grocery shopping to making sure the kids do their chores to something fun. Like I'm going to take Sawyer on a lunch date. Like that's on the list because yeah. that list tells me every day what my priorities are.
1: Um, and I think sometimes entrepreneurs, in my experience anyway, can be um, somewhat ADD. Absolutely, in a good way. hundred percent. You can chase every rabbit that, that comes across because You're like, oh, that's cool yes. oh, that's, cool. that's so a great to yes.
0: Get. That's I gotta focus. That's such a great insight because I could get on our Facebook page and look into insights and analytics and be like, why do we have so many followers in the Philippines? And I've lost three hours. So yeah. if I don't yeah. make myself focus on that list, I I won't do it. And um, yeah. that's a good. I, this wasn't the question, but. This just made me think I have put um, my personal social media, the apps for my personal social media. You know how like when you're in an iPhone, you have to swipe over to get to the different apps you have. I mm-hmm. have, I put them in the very last page. This is actually something mm. I heard from Marie Forleo, who's incredible if you guys don't listen to her or watch mm-hmm. her videos. She said, like, I, I basically hide those personal apps from myself so that mm. if I want to go look at them, it is a conscious decision that I'm about to lose time that way. It's fine mm-hmm. if it's like, okay, I've done all this stuff. It's time to relax. I'm going to go, you know, mess around on Instagram. But make it a conscious decision, not a habit, where you just automatically go into Facebook and start scrolling through it.
1: Mm, good one. That's a good one. Okay.
0: Um.
1: Is there any part of you, and I think I would, I think I feel like I know how you would answer this, but I want, I want other, I want to hear what you say. That you feel like you have to like mute or downplay so that you are successful in business, but like, so that you, I don't know. So you don't offend anybody that you work with or yeah. so that you don't come off as a, a version of, of yourself that you don't want to. Do you feel like there's a part that you're like, ah, I got to
0: keep that part of Rachel in check yes. to um, do well at this? Yeah. Um, this was a huge part about the Tony Robbins conference for me. This was a this was my biggest takeaway that I did not even know was a thing. Because I had built – this is like full honesty for listeners right now that I don't think I've ever said publicly. Because I had built a brand based on the idea of being um, a party planner, a mom, a wife, entertaining at home, in my head, there was a certain type of person who fit into that mold. And yeah. like a Martha Stewart or whatever it was that I felt I needed to be. And because that's what people were very comfortable with, time that people got wind of the fact that I like people could not like grasp the idea that in order to produce this content, it meant I had a job. So if I said that I had a nanny or a babysitter, if I said that I was heading in the office, people online would freak out. They'd lash out at me. They'd be so ugly and mean, and it would hurt my feelings. And so I learned to not ever speak about the fact that I run a company. Um, and that kind of taught me to mute the business side of myself, not just publicly, but in my own life, uh, with my in-laws, with my, it was like. I would only talk about being a mom. I would only talk about being a wife, even though running this company is one of the greatest prides of my life. I'm so, I love what we do here. I'm so proud of what we've created. So to mute that part of myself, um, like I want to sound dramatic and say like it was slowly killing me um but it definitely was it made me feel guilty it gave me anxiety I felt like there was something wrong with who I really was um down to the way I would dress like truly down Mm. to what I would dress like when I knew there was going to be a photo of me online or when I was going to an event like trying to live into this persona that public the public had of me and I finally realized that there, like you can't you can't sort of be half a person. You need to live fully into who you are. And who I am is a mom of four babies and also a CEO. Yeah. Who I am. And you were you ahead. were muting
1: something that was giving you life.
0: Yes. Yes. The and thing, that's, my, a, that's a one of my, my most do. favorite things about myself. And the honest truth was when I finally embraced this part of myself, I became a better mom. I became a better wife because I wasn't fighting there was like a guilt that I was experiencing as being a working mom and then there was also like a um, a resentment towards uh, this is not who I really am but I'm having to kind of be this thing. Yeah. You had to and like
1: you had to apologize for
0: it all the time. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Are you comfortable sharing what you your biggest mistake has been in business that you've
0: Oh, gosh. How, that we might not I, know. How do I even choose? Um, <laughs> because there's a deal with mistakes
1: if you don't learn from them. Yeah. Right? I
0: mean, I think that's, that's a failure. Oh, man. This is going to sound harsh, and this is kind of only um, powerful for other managers, bosses, entrepreneurs. Um, I have been guilty of keeping people in a role long past the time they should be there knowing that they should no longer be in that place, but um, not having the confidence to make that choice. Yeah, and to make that call. To make that to call. And that the thing is, hurt. if yeah. someone, and we, I would try everything. I would, with their mentorship and meetings, and they go to a conference and they take a class. You know, because obviously I love the people I work with and I don't want to have to lose them. But if someone's in the wrong role, it's not only bad for you and the company. It's bad for them. They're not able to live yeah. into their fullest potential. Um, oh gosh, I'm, I keep referencing Gary Vee, but he said something recently where he was like, people spend way too much time focusing on how to interview well, like how to interview a potential employee well and asking all the right questions and way too little time knowing that it's, it's right to fire them. Like they obsess over hiring the right person, but they don't obsess over letting that person go when they know it's not right. The reality is you're never really going to know how someone's going to do in a position until they're in the position and they're working. And sometimes it just doesn't work. And, you Mm -hmm. know, Dave said to me recently, like, man, Rachel, you have you've let go of more people than like uh, it ju- and it's the nature of having a small business and it's also the nature of being scrappy and knowing that we only have a certain budget for what we're doing here. And if you're mm-hmm. in a role and you're not doing it well, that I'm, I'm spending money on this role and I need it to be done correctly. So mm-hmm. um, it sounds a little harsh and I think it's something that only other people who have ever had to hire or fire understand. Um, but like, I, I have had to let go of people that I loved so much that they were so sad that it was so hard. But if I want to be the CEO of this company, then I have to do what is best for this company, not,
1: mm-hmm.
0: not keep someone because, you know, they're my friend and I'm sad to see them go. So earlier in my career, I really struggled with, you know, I'd have people who were there a year after they should have been gone. So yeah. I over time, I think I've gotten a lot better at recognizing the problem, doing everything that I can to fix it. And then if we can't fix it, then it's time that to move on. How do you not take that personal?
1: Like how and how do you
0: not make it personal to them? I think um, I think I'm pretty good. I, I have become pretty good. Years ago, a business mentor said to me, the best possible scenario when you're letting someone go is that they leave that room feeling like it was their idea, like feeling like it was. Mm. It, you've talked through so much how this is what is best for them in their future. And here are the 10 ways this is going to be more awesome for you. And here's how I'm going to be helpful to you as you look for the next gig. And here's gosh, these are, this is your aptitude. And have you ever thought about going in this direction that um, it doesn't end up feeling personal because if someone's struggling in a role, they know they're struggling. There's not yeah, a surprise. Yeah. Um, The only time that there are surprises is when there's so much ego in the way of the person who's sitting on the other end of the conversation that they can't see what has been presented to them time and time again. So yeah. there's anger and there's, there's frustration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. cause there egos in the way. Um, yeah. And sometimes it sucks. And I've had people respond super harshly and people that I thought were friends and they're so mad and uh, you know, they have a right to be and it kills whatever relationship we had. And that sucks. But that again, this is what it means to be a CEO. This is what it yeah. means to run a company. And the day that I'm not comfortable with that is the day that I can't be in this role anymore.
1: Right. You're no longer objective yeah. in the sense of what's best yeah. or what's better for all of your employees. Absolutely. Your openness um, with your family, with your kids, Dave, personal life, talking about parents, talking about what happened with your brother, talking about all that stuff is a large part, I think of your personality and your business mm-hmm. and your business in a lot of ways is your personality, mm-hmm. right? Is yeah. you, um, does that ever become has that ever become awkward? Has that ever become difficult to balance, to manage? Have you had to answer questions from any of those parties? Yeah. And how do you how do you talk yourself through that? How do you separate that? How do you – do you have a philosophy for what you share, how you share?
0: It all started years and years ago when I wanted to talk about having Bell's Palsy. So I've yeah. had Bell's Palsy three times. It's uh, facial paralysis. I get it on the left side of my face. Um it's very painful. It looks, I mean, it looks like one half of your face melted. It, I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty legit. You, you have, you're paralyzed. Yep. Um, I wanted to talk about it because I thought, well, gosh, I can't be the only one who's ever experienced this. And in wanting to talk about it, I had a photo of myself I wanted to put online. And I was working with um, a publicist at the time. This was years ago. And they said, you have to take that down. You cannot put this photo online. Um, and then I think this was a long before people were being, you know, a lot more transparent about their lives. Everything was pretty, mm-hmm. pretty, pretty. You have mm-hmm. to take this photo down. And still to this day, I get so many emails from people who have Bell's palsy, who are struggling with it, who will send me the most beautiful notes thanking me. For putting that up. The response was immediate. Um, so many people appreciative. I don't feel so alone. That was what, that was a trigger for me because I realized, you know, um, C.S. Lewis says the most powerful words in the English language are me too. Mm-hmm. So anytime that someone stands up first and raises their hand and says, I went through this thing it gives people around them permission to do the same. And I mm-hmm. became obsessed with the idea of me too, of giving mm-hmm. women an opportunity to raise their hand and say me too. And the only mm-hmm. way that happens is if I stand up first. Yeah. So um, everything that we've done that we've seen success in are when I have done that in a way that is bold. The the biggest thing I've ever done in my career was put a picture of my stretch marks on the internet um, you know, and so many people, yeah. what, what resonated was they were like, I have stretch marks too. Oh my, or I have scars or I'm an amputee mm-hmm. or like there's power in, in who we really are at our core. Um, so I think in the beginning people kind of push back friends and feel like, are you sure you want to write that? Are you sure want to put that there? Um, and I'm even experiencing this now as I have, um, you know, a nonfiction book coming out in February and I in this book, talk about a lot of things. I mean, you'd think I have put it all out there, but, um, I talk about a lot of things that I've never said before that were really hard to write about either in my childhood Mm -hmm. or my marriage, um, Mm -hmm. that I kind of go, Oh man, do I really want to say these things? Um, but I, I feel like that is my platform. That is what, I do, Mm -hmm. and I think even if it helps one person, it was worth it, even if it felt a little embarrassing or it felt, you know, if it exposed me in some way. Whenever we're going through something hard, it always affects us in more than one way. In the season that I've been in in my life, going through a difficult time has affected my sleep. I feel like I'm getting insomnia again that I haven't had in several years. And being able to talk that through with my therapist and kind of unpack why that anxiety is showing up at night or why my thoughts are racing or why I can't seem to shut my head off has been super helpful for me and if you have considered seeing a therapist or talking to a counselor, it has never been easier to meet with someone virtually. If you are not familiar with BetterHelp, then I wanna make sure that you hear about it from me. BetterHelp has counselors who specialize in everything you can imagine. Depression, stress, anxiety, anger, family conflicts, self-esteem, Anything that you share is confidential and the service is convenient and affordable. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. I want you to start living a happier life today. And as a listener of my podcast, you get 10% off your first month by visiting betterhelp.com rise. Join over 1 million people taking charge of their mental health. Again, that's hel slash rise. Well, it's, I think
1: the keyword that keeps popping in my mind about, about what you're doing and what you're building is just connection. Yeah. You're connecting with women. You're connecting with other people who want to start and run their own business. Sure. You're connecting with moms. You're connecting with, you're connecting people to each other. Mm -hmm. You're connecting people with ways they can improve what they're doing and their lives. And to connect, you have to have vulnerability. You have to say, no, this is what happened to me. Has this ever happened to you? Because this is
0: crazy. Totally
1: do you ever question how much you like vulnerability hangover? I think is what Brene Brown calls it. Do you ever have like to talk yourself through like, no, that's going to be a good thing to share, even though it feels really raw. Well,
0: part of me used to think that if I was going to share anything, I had to share everything. And so I Mm. get a lot of questions. Mm. People are constantly asking me, Just everything, anything. And I've realized, this sounds dumb, but I've realized in the last six months, I don't have to answer them. Um, Like, I know when people are fishing, they'll ask me, like, who watches your kids when you're at work? Like just out of the blue when there's no – we're not talking yeah. about child care or whatever. Who who watches the kids? And what I – I know the angle there. I know that I'm going to reply and say that I have a nanny. And I know that that per- person was looking for an opportunity to be ugly about the fact that I have child care. Um, mm-hmm. So I have learned that it is not my job to answer every question that you yeah. have. Um, yeah. I am allowed to have boundaries. Uh, yeah. I, I also think um, – This is a really important thing for anybody who puts themselves in the public eye, or even I think women experience this in their everyday lives. But if you have a problem with me, if you get mad at me online, if you see something that I say that pisses you off, you're like, I'm never following Rachel Hollis again. That used to devastate me until I realized that you are not mad at me. You are mad at a persona of me. You are mad at who I am in your own mind. You are yep. mad at who you thought I was based on my Facebook page. You don't know me personally, and if you don't know me personally, they're not mad at me. And if you're not mad at me, then it—I can't, like—I it, cannot let that bother me. If I cared deeply about everybody's opinion of me who follows me online, it would cripple me. I could not do this work. And I would miss the opportunity to speak to those people who have Bell's Palsy, to talk to the mom with stretch marks, to talk to the women on live stream at 6 a.m. every morning on Facebook who are crying over the loss of a spouse or um, mm-hmm. being infertile. I would miss those opportunities because I was so bogged down in the handful of people over here who don't like me. Um, mm mm-hmm. And there's a quote that's like, you can be the juiciest, most delicious, perfect peach in the whole world, and there will still be people who don't like peaches. That's mm-hmm, not mm-hmm. my, that's not, I cannot worry about that. So um, I, learning to build a thicker skin about um, what it really means when someone doesn't like me online uh, is, it has been an incredibly powerful, freeing thing for mm-hmm. me to be able to share without fear of of repercussions.
1: Yeah. That's hard.
0: And I know that hasn't
1: come quickly. No, that, that, you know, no. that has taken time yep. and that's taken people talking you through yes. that as well. Yep. Speaking wisdom into yep. your life about that. Absolutely. So I work as part of a team that is trying to launch entrepreneurs, college students, mm-hmm. people in the community. At, on the same side of that or on the other side of that coin, though, is like a, is a philanthropy part. Mm-hmm. So the place I work is entrepreneurship and philanthropy. Mm-hmm. The idea that you're going to do amazing, awesome things for, you know, business wise. But there's also a philanthropy part, mm-hmm. a giving back part. Yeah. Since I've known you and since I've known you and Dave, which is now going, we're going on 17 years. You're welcome. I'll send you wow. an anniversary present. Most generous people, hands down, mm. cannot, I don't know anyone that can compete you're with sweet. how generous you and Dave are with, with anything money, house, time, resources. Everything. And I'm not going to go down all the lists because some of it is personal for people that are perhaps listening. But do you have a philosophy for philanthropy? Do you have something that from the beginning you were like, hey, do you have a philosophy that you either guides you in your company or that you and Dave have ascribed to together? That's like, this is what we're going to do. Not only from a financial standpoint, but like, how do you, what is that philosophy? And then how are you cultivating that in the people that you work with Mm -hmm. or in your family
0: or both? Um, we do have a philosophy and it's so important to us that it's actually written on the wall of our living room, which is to whom much is given, much is expected. Mm -hmm. We are so blessed. And now we have worked, nothing, nothing was handed to us. We have both worked so hard to be where we are. Um, but you cannot have this much. You cannot be given this opportunity, um, this level of finance. You can't. And just sit on it and do nothing with what you've been given. So Mm -hmm. um, for us, it is definitely financial. I mean, we, we give to so many different causes that we care about. But what is actually even more powerful than financial is when we're giving our time. Because yeah. it doesn't matter who you are, what everybody knows, time is scarce. Time is the biggest thing. You've got kids and a life and friends and all these things. So um, it's really important to us to not just be donors, but to also do things with our hands, to do mm-hmm. hands-on hands-on to see it in real life um you know getting to go to ethiopia last summer with jen um, and help one Mm -hmm. now was an opportunity to see what the program was actually doing there on the ground uh we've done a lot of work homelessness is a is something that's really close to both dave and i um we do a lot of work with our local homeless community and there are things it's important to say too. There is a seasonality to this because, Mm. um, you know, uh, a year ago, no, more than that, let's say a year and a half ago, two years ago, we used to once a month, we would make a dinner for um, Mm -hmm. a homeless group in in our community and our entire family would go once a month, we'd sit down to dinner with 30 different homeless families and we had made the food and we ate together and it was important for not just us, but for our children to have those connections and to understand that this community are just like you. These are people just like us. Um, but then we got into foster care and our adoption. And so this season, we have a you know, six-week-old baby. We don't mm-hmm. have the opportunity to do that right now, and we're not going to beat ourselves up about it. Um, yeah. So there is a seasonality to when you can do things with your hands. There's a seasonality to when you can do things with your wallet. And um, the, the, the overarching thing is being intentional about um, where you're putting your energy all the time. So mm-hmm. um, if there's a way that I hope to incorporate that with the company or with my kids, it's leading by example. I think okay. um, to be able to see what we are doing and see where we put our time and our intention into is a powerful thing. We have done, we've definitely done, we do sheet gives back. We've done tons of charitable things here at mm-hmm. work. Um, but I hope that more than anything, it's not that people see me talking the talk, it's that they see me walking the walk. Mm-hmm. What is the last I I apologize if this is a sexist
1: question.
0: But <laughs> I like it. What what's the last thing that made you cry? Ooh. Um, hold on, what's the last thing that made me cry? Well, um honestly I was on I was doing live stream. I do live stream every weekday, six AM on our Facebook page. And, uh, this morning there was a woman, and this is what's so powerful about this platform that we've created is this space for women to be vulnerable and feel encouraged. But there was a woman talking about, um, she had lost her fiance. They'd been together for Mm. 14 years and he died six months before the wedding. And she said, Mm. it's been a year and I cannot dig myself out of this dark place. And so I was speaking to her about the loss of my big brother and Mm -hmm. um, telling her, you know, Ryan's been gone uh, 20 years. 20 years he's been gone. Mm. And um, it doesn't ever get – you never get over it, ever. You never get over a loss like that. It does get better. It gets easier to bear. Um, It's time. But even just talking about – Um, I have days, it's been 20 years and I have days where, um, something will hit me or I'll see, um, a friend of mine, I, um, a friend of mine's getting married and her brother's really involved in the wedding and my brother wasn't at mine because he was Mm -hmm. gone. Stuff like that will knock me sideways and talking to her Mm -hmm. about that this morning, um, made me cry. So that is what, that's the last time I cried.
1: When was the last time you laughed till you cried?
0: The last time I laughed until I cried. That's such a good question. Um, I, I, you know, Dave and I, like, we are best friends. And I laugh yep. more with that kid than, gosh, we've been together I don't, a million yep. years. I don't even know how long we've been together. Since I was 19. Um, so almost 15, 16, 15 right? years. 15. I'm 34. Someone do the math. I was there for the first day. You were. Date. I mean, you, not were. you the were there from the very beginning. The yeah. Day, but, um, I was there but yeah, we, we, he is so funny and we laugh all yeah. the time. I don't know how you could get through the life that we have with all of these children and all of the year we've gone through if we weren't laughing. So I'm sure it's something that he did or said, or, uh, we were on a date and we had too much vodka and we laughed until yep. we peed our pants a little bit. I think also we probably could
1: guess what time do you start your day?
0: Uh, five thirty, right now five thirty a.m. Because uh, I get up to do a live stream with uh, on Facebook, so right. I give myself thirty minutes to get coffee and like wake up a little bit before um, before that starts. So I love waking up early. I, if I woke up at seven, I would feel like the day was half gone and I had missed it. I also am a better mom. It's really, really important to me to be present with the with the kids when I'm home. So if I am waking up, like I need to be up before them in order to be prepared to like get them breakfast, pack their lunches, ask them about their day, like so that they feel really prepared. This sounds really dramatic, but so that they're prepared emotionally to take on their day. I feel like I've got to be prepared. So if I don't wake up before then, I can't accomplish that well.
1: So to that end what time do you go to bed
0: I am typically asleep by 9 30 um I yeah uh, you didn't 930? know that yeah yeah I, I knew it was early but that's like... I'm in bed at seven like I live in my bed when I'm at home it's daylight Isn't yeah that daylight at seven yeah but I'm in pajamas like reading a book I'm not like asleep but yeah, I am, I come up from work, I immediately wash my face, take off my bra put on pajamas without question. I make dinner for the kids in pajamas. We eat our dinner. We finish, clean up, do all of that, and then I immediately go in the room. Whatever I've got to do, if I'm going to do email, if I'm going to read a book, I'm taking those classes right now. I had a quiz last night, so I went in the room and, and took my test. I got a B plus, in case anyone's wondering. Um, yep. And, um, yeah, but I am asleep by 9.30 p.m. <laughs> what
1: is your go-to coffee order?
0: <laughs> yes. Um, day in, day out, I'm going Americano with some cinnamon. Nope. That's just, like, zero calories, or maybe there's calories. There's like 12 calories. Um, so, but if it's, if I'm indulging, if it's like the holidays and I get, um, I want one of those sugary lattes, just delicious where it's like 400 calories for a small cup of coffee. That's my dream. But I also want to fit into my pants. So that's right.
1: Um, what is
0: your workout routine? And how often do you do it? Well, it's a great time to talk about it now because I am, I, for those listening who don't know, uh, we adopted, uh, our daughter recently and during the last two months of her mom's pregnancy and the first few weeks of her life, the stress and anxiety of that process after years of trying to adopt and it not working meant that I, um, I gained 10 pounds, um, eating everything that I could get my hands on and not working out at all, um, which is not like me. Uh, the eating is like me, but the not working out is not like that. I don't, I normally work out anyway. No. So, in the last few weeks, um, I have been really focusing on getting back. Um, and because I'm really focusing on getting back, I am working out in some capacity seven days a week. Not like sure. hardcore at the gym, but it could even just be like today, I'm not going to get to go to the gym and I walk to work which is two, it's two miles. Um, What? Yeah, I know. I'm pretty proud of myself, peeps. I know, Um, I know where you live and I know where you work. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, But so I'll try and sneak in things like that just to make sure I'm moving. Um, But I do two times a week with a trainer at a gym because she kicks my butt and I would never push myself that hard. And then I am doing right now two runs a week, one run for time where I'm trying to, um, you know, do 10 minute miles, which is really hard for me. Um, And then the other run is on Saturdays and that's for distance. So I'll okay. try and add a mile every week.
1: Okay. Are you training again for another marathon? No,
0: but I want to. I want to do a okay. half. I would love to run a marathon, but the time that is required to do that is just bananas. Um, and I yeah. don't have it right now, but I'd love to train for a half because I just, I love a race. It's so much fun.
1: Uh, I can't agree with you, but <laughs> I hear what you're saying, yes. but I cannot, yeah. I cannot agree with you. Um, what's one travel item that you cannot leave home without?
0: Oh, I asked this to everybody, and I haven't thought about yeah. what mine is. I guess I would say um, I've had the same Toomey backpack for five years. I carry it as my purse every day, and I carry it as my travel buddy. Um, I like a backpack over a purse because, I, a, I like all the different compartments. I like that it's on okay. my back, so I don't have to worry about like it hurting my shoulder, like digging in. I just It's so durable. Um, I yeah. can't it's- imagine. I always see these pictures of, like, fashion grammars and they've got like that really cute you know that um louis vuitton tote that everyone has i'm like maybe i need that tote but i'm like no that's gonna hurt my shoulder i i need i like my backpack yeah yeah so your backpack's legit thank you and honestly it looks so i i can't recommend the brand enough they're expensive like you gotta sell a kidney or one of your children to be able to afford it But it lasts forever. And if like the stitching rips or something happens, you send it back and they'll fix it or they give you the newest model of that thing. So highly recommend it.
1: All right. So we kind of talked about this at the beginning because I I asked you how to pronounce the podcast name, Deus.
0: Right? Deus. You got it, girl. Which is a platform
1: from which you are speaking. If you are at a public event, if you are having a press conference. Mm Mm-hmm. If you are having a just speaking, yep. a speaking engagement, yep. um, what would you say is your platform yes. or cause that you wish you could express to women you see in business to say um, you're missing the mark and I wish I could tell you what I know now? So what would you say is your platform or cause yep. that you're shouting yes. from the
0: rooftop? Yes, I came up with this question because I actually know the answer and have known it for a while and I'm so glad that I finally get to say what my dais is. Topic is. Uh, It is that you and you alone are in control of your life. Yep. Uh, So many women are waiting for a partner, a man, a woman, a diet, a job, a boss, a parent, a sister, whatever to help make their life better. They think that if they find the quick fix or they find the right route or if they do whatever, that that's what's going to be that what finally gets them to where they want to go. I get hundreds of emails from fans all the time who are telling me about their marriage, their life, the things that they're struggling with. And um, what I want to say to them is, you are in control. If yeah. you are finding yourself in this repetition. If you come back to the same place year after year, if you've wanted to lose weight for the past 10 years and you've actually gained, you are it's on you. It's on yeah, you. Your it's your call. Yeah. And And the sucky part is, the hard part is that it's hard. That getting to be the next version of yourself, the place that you want to be, the mom you want to become, the job you want to have is on you. And if it was easy, then everyone would do it. But mm-hmm. please don't think that you haven't achieved the success or the growth that you desire because you haven't figured out the equation. You know what you have to do. I tell people this almost every day on Facebook. People are like, what's your diet? What's, what's, what you're really asking is, how can I do this in an easier way? What you're asking is, how do I do this in a way that's not painful? And the truth mm-hmm. is that this is mm-hmm. hard. It's not Mm -hmm. that you don't know how, it's that you choose not to. So Mm -hmm. what I want to speak over those people listening is that you have the power to be a better version of yourself, whatever that looks like for you. And that does not mean that who you are today isn't awesome because it is. I believe that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And there's something so incredible about you, but you were not made to stay in the spot that you're sitting in right now. You are made to Mm -hmm. grow and become something more. And if you want that, sister, you are the one who's going to have to take the steps to get there.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mic drop. Preach. Preach.
0: (laughs) And turn it and off. And see. That, we're done. <laughs> Nothing
1: else is it. Yeah. Um, but I think, I think that also draws the line between you have to be courageous to look at that hard thing. Yeah. Look at the hard decisions that you keep making yep. and go, this is what's hurting. Yep. I'm hurting myself. Yep. This is what's holding me back. You're hurting me. Yeah. You're holding me back. I mean, it, it is, it's up to me, but I can recognize yes. that this relationship is, is not hurtful, helping. harmful, yep. holding me back. Yep this thing I think about us, me, you, them is holding me back. And that takes courage mm-hmm. to also go, I okay, I got to do this hard thing. Yep. And I think that is, I don't, I don't know. I feel like that's something that you're born with. You have the capacity, you, you are, you can be courageous and brave mm-hmm. in ways that I don't know many people can. Mm. How can I flex or work on my courageous and brave muscle to, Be able to look at something in the face and say, okay, I can be a better version of myself because I can be courageous in looking at Mm -hmm. the hard, dark parts of me that I need to get over and work through. Such a good question. How can I work through that?
0: Such a good question because um, I actually don't think that I was born this way. I was born into a very – I had a very traumatic childhood. I had a very hard upbringing and I looked around me and saw many family members – that I did not want to become. That is mm-hmm. just the honest to God truth. So from a mm-hmm. very early age, like childhood, I already knew I do not want this for my life. And mm-hmm. as I grew up, I recognized that the only way. Because at first I thought, well, I'm different from them, so I won't fall into these patterns. But man, are we creatures of the mm-hmm. life and home we were born into. Mm-hmm. And so all this- and you know what you know. Yes, I mean you don't. Yes, you know what you know. And That's, you open you your really mouth like and your mom falls out. Or you Mm -hmm. open your mouth and you hear your dad. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, crap. I am becoming that thing that I did not want to be. And so I recognized really early on and especially in in my young adult years that if I wanted to not be like them um, or if I wanted to transcend the space that I was born into, that I had to really – learn. It's why I read so many books. It's why I love conferences. It's why I love podcasts. I am constantly analyzing myself, how I am today, and how I can be better. Either physically, mentally, emotionally as a mom. I have done so much therapy. I have worked Mm -hmm. so hard on being self-aware because Mm -hmm. that is the only way that I can improve. And in in learning to be self-aware, in reading those books, in doing the therapy, I realized, oh, if I suffer from anxiety, which I do, but I spend the time to research this topic, to read the books, to meet with a therapist, to learn the tools to navigate around this. It started to teach me that anything that we're encountering in our lives that we don't like, we have the capacity to get past it. Mm -hmm. We have the capacity to get around it or grow or change. But the only way that you can do that is if you first recognize the problem and then you do the work to get the tools to know how to manage it. So yep. if someone is like, man, I want to I wanna believe that to have the confidence that I'm the one in control, start with one area of your life that you feel like you're struggling. It doesn't have to be the biggest one. It could be something small. And get the tools. Do the research. There's a really great website that you all can go to um, to learn anything that you're looking for. It's called Google. <laughs> What I I know it's shocking, but you head over to Google and you're like, I honestly start with something small. I drink diet Coke and I don't want to drink diet Coke anymore. Go Google. How do I stop drinking diet Coke? You're going to get a million answers. I like wish that my stomach was flatter. I don't know. I'm making stuff up. There's a bajillion, like no matter what it is, you're trying to get past. I promise you Google has a million options for you that you can go, well, that works. This is a stupid idea. That was a weird website. I don't want to go back there. Like there's going to be, you're going to be able to aggregate the stuff. You test it out. You see what works. And then you stick that into your toolbox and maybe somewhere else you're like, well, now I want to give up this other thing. Oh, I remembered how I gave up Diet Coke. This is how we develop the skills to becoming a better version of us. But Mm -hmm. ultimately, it's on you.
1: Yeah. You got to, what I feel like I've taken away from the conversation is you never stop learning. You got to hustle and work hard. And that, that is in every area that isn't just in business. That can be, you have to work hard to be in, in, to be the best version of yourself. Don't be afraid of that. Don't leave that at an office. Don't leave that for a business, but you can take that and do things in your personal life, work hard, connect, Mm -hmm. never stop learning Mm -hmm. and know that you can move past things you got to practice. Yep. You're going to make mistakes. Keep on keeping on. Yep.
0: Perfect. This is why I knew you would be the most awesome interviewer. I <laughs> I already thought, like, if I get to the place where, like, I'm Oprah and I just don't have time to interview people for a podcast anymore, Amanda's getting that job in a hot minute because you can do it, girl. Uh,
1: You're a better interviewer but... than
0: I am. No. No, I, no. you really are. Um, the no. people who are listening to this who have listened to the other podcasts are going to be like, yeah, she actually is. Well, I can't remember the last time we had an hour and twenty-six minute never, conversation never. I mean, uninterrupted. We don't. We just we get like bursts 15 minutes here and there. Yeah. That's what you yeah. do when you In have car. seven kids between the two of us. Hey guys, if you like this episode, I hope you will consider subscribing to the Deus Podcast on iTunes, sharing it with your friends, and showing some love on social media for a newbie show like mine. Those reviews are everything. Thanks to our producer, Allison Cohen, our sound engineer, Jack Noble, and our sound editor, Andrew Weller. To stay in touch with all things Deus, you can check out thechicsite.com or follow me on social media. I am Ms. Rachel Hollis on every single platform. Most importantly, I hope you heard something today that inspires you. I'll see you next week. So this week, I announced my next book. It's called Didn't See That Coming. It's all about how you put your life back together after your world falls apart. I actually wrote this inside of quarantine because I wanted something that y'all could read as you transition out of the crisis of a pandemic. And then inside of writing it, my world fell apart. And this is a story of how you keep on going. This is a story of the tactics and the tools that I have used time and time again when I have gone through grief or loss or trauma. The book comes out on September 29th and you can find it today. You can pre-order wherever books are sold. And yes, I'm narrating the audio as always. But if you pre-order, meaning if you buy it any time before September 29th, if you go to didn'tseethatcomingnewbook.com, you can get my one-hour course on how to rebuild. How do you rebuild your life? Free one-hour course plus a workbook that you can print out and utilize to start the process. Something that I thought I could give you to be helpful as you transition to whatever comes next. Didn't See That Coming is my new book, and I hope that you will check it out.